Welcome to Live and Love Your Brand, a podcast to support you in sharing your message and mission with the world. I'm your host, Emma Lovell. I'm lovely by name, lovely by nature. I'm a personal branding specialist with a mission to support female entrepreneurs to live and love their brand. I've been running my business, Lovely Communications, for more than 12 years, and I can hand on heart say that my success has come from the strength of my personal brand. I believe in the power of owning and sharing our story. I want to help you own your story, shop consistently, and really put yourself out there. So here on the podcast, you'll find helpful tips, practical exercises, and joyful discussions that will inspire you to reconnect with your brand and communicate it more effectively. I'll be joined by incredible experts to discuss how personal branding can have a huge impact on your business and on your life. I'd love to hear from you, so please make sure to connect over on social media. You can find me on Instagram at lovelycoms, that's L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, double the L means double the life, Facebook, Lovely Communications, and you can join in the conversation in our lovely community, the Live and Love Your Brand Facebook group. Of course, make sure to come back weekly as each new episode drops. I can't wait to share with you how to gain clarity, build confidence, and increase connections all by sharing your unique personal brand with the world. Lovely Communications is based on the Gold Coast and recognizes Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of this place, now known as Australia. We are grateful for the continuing care of the lands, waterways and skies where we work, live, listen, learn and play. From here on your Gumbe country and from wherever you are listening, we respect the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have an amazing guest, Nigel Bowen. Uh, Honour to be one of our few men on the podcast, which we will look to change, but uh, it's a fun one, this one. Nigel makes me laugh a lot. Uh, We met through uh, some wonderful groups and uh, we connect on our writing uh, backgrounds. So Nigel is a founder of Content Sherpa and he is a tech and business writer. But Nigel uh, came up to me at an event and we were chatting about about self-promotion, about how to put yourself forward and, and really I wanted to hear about his journey of having a successful career as a freelancer after having quite a shaky start um, when he lost his job, which happens to quite a lot of uh, journalists. So just a little bit more about Nigel. Nigel is a former print journalist who, like a lot of former journalists, transitioned into being a content creator around a decade ago. These days, he mainly writes about tech and business, and for the last year, he also had a passion project, Substack, called Precariat Musings, that addresses issues confronting those who work in the gig economy. So we chat about all these things on the podcast episode. Can't wait for you to hear the um, very, very humorous and uh, enjoyable musings of Nigel Bowen. Welcome to the podcast, Nigel Bowen. Lovely to be here, Emma Lovell. <laughs> I love it. You can tell you're a writer because you play on words, but mm. I love to start with the uh, fabulous existential question of sure. who are you? Who am I? Very good. Uh, well, I'm a content creator these days. I was at uni for a long time. I did two degrees in mass communications many years ago. I eventually broke into journalism, 
relatively late in life, I guess. Um, after my uni career, uh, I was a print journalist when print journalism, back when that was still a thing, about 10 years ago, that ceased to be a thing for me and many other people, I guess, but particularly mm. for me. Um, and then at the time, content marketing was just starting to take off. And there was actually one big agency called King Content, which um, I somehow happened upon and started doing a lot of work for. And that allowed me to pay the mortgage for a while. And then I started getting other corporate clients like Austrade and um, various other things. And anyway, 10 years later, here I am as a, uh, uh, a content marketer who mainly writes about tech these days and also a bit about business. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, Cliff Notes version of my life story. <laughs> I love it. It was pretty abridged for, uh, for well, a we life can, story. Uh, we can dive into any aspects of it you find interesting as we go on. Dissected. I can put my journalism hat on. Um, oh, I did. I did about three weeks before I dropped out of the journalism <laughs> subject. So uh, I don't know how how great that'll be. But anyway, no. Your business is called Content Sherpa. Why? Uh, that is correct. Uh, I don't know. I. It was actually <laughs> ten years. Well, no, I do know why. Let me tell you why. Um, I tried to. Um, had all these really good ideas, like a hundred monkeys typing and sort of writerly puns and everything. I don't have a good surname the way you do, unfortunately. Mm. But uh, you know, it, it was called a lot of things before it got to Content Sherpa. But they, I, I'd Google them and discover that some other opportunistic writer had already grabbed them for their own business name. So at the end, um, yes, it just became Content Sherpa. I guess the idea was that I'd be like a Sherpa meeting the content needs of business or something, but um, there's no there's no great story behind it, sadly oh. enough, for a podcast. Um, <laughs> well, I love Nepal, so it, right, like, yeah. it speaks to yeah. my heart. Uh, the Sherpas um, are wonderful people and do an incredible job, and I just wish indeed. I could have a, a Sherpa on a daily basis still. <laughs> Totally. Carry, carry my life around uh, but I'm very excited to take my son to Nepal one day because of and he will he will be with a Sherpa and oh, I'll, I'll wave yeah. at him as he we walk along and yeah I mean after I named it I noticed Sherpa seemed to sort of become a bigger thing and I don't know it just seemed to become bigger in popular culture there was a movie called Sherpa have you seen that great movie yeah, brilliant yeah, movie great, I think mm. that I'm not sure that had come out by the time I know my business, but I don't know. Um, maybe it's just that thing where you buy a red car and then you start noticing red cars. Red but, um, cars. I don't know. Sherpa really seemed to take off as a word after I did it. So it, it turned out okay, I think. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. And, yes, in lieu of a, um, a fabulous punny last name, uh, mm. you've done very well. Thank you. <laughs> And I have a red car, so I understand the, um, oh, I see okay. Mazda, red Mazdas everywhere I go. Yes. I did for a long time before I bought one as well, so that's mm. how it works. Mm. Manifestation. And mm. I didn't ask this question first, but how do we sure. know each other? Well, I don't know if you even remember this, but I wrote an article for Rachel's List. Well, I've written a few, so I can't even remember which one it was, but you actually wrote quite a lovely Sorry, that wasn't even a deliberate <laughs> on your name, but it was a lovely comment on that <laughs> at the bottom of it, which I thought, oh, that's very nice. I mean, it, and it wasn't just sort of great article exclamation mark. It was like several sentences about how you really related to it or something. And I thought, oh, that's nice. And um, I think we became LinkedIn buddies. I, I sort of LinkedIn connected with you after that. And mm. I think there were a few 
sort of mutual admiration quotes on online postings or something. And and then we met at Kate Toon's convention late last year in the flesh for the first time after um, several years, if I'm remembering. How do you remember our story? I do. No, that's, yeah, absolutely. We were both in Rachel's list, which Rachel's been on this podcast and so have a number of people I've connected with through her community. My background is writing, so I still love being in that community, although I don't, don't, I don't deliver as much writing for clients anymore, but I still, I feel, I feel in my heart, I'm a writer and uh, Will, the book is coming at some point. Oh, you're writing a book. I am. I'm writing four in my mind. Wow. <laughs> but Very one will probably come more urgently. Oh. Um, and then, but I, I love, I do love to write and I think you don't lose that. And oh. I love that community because um, I've, I've said it to you, I think sometimes writing can be lonely. And mm. I think at times, especially when I was starting out, I think it was a bit cagey as well. And so it was why, you know, people didn't tell you rates or didn't um, share openly. And then to find a place where people did share openly and not only were willing to tell you what they're charging, but would literally like jump on the phone with you to talk about a pitch or to talk through an article, uh, to share work. People in that community are very open. And I know that you give wonderful, I had seen your name giving wonderful feedback and then um, and, and commentary on posts it's a very active group and then yeah when I saw your article come up it was it was very insightful and you have a number of them uh, to help people and it's really why uh when you and I will say you requested to come on the podcast and I love that because (laughs) yeah I know you don't love it you you were uh baffled as to why that came about but Mm. I love it because I'm a big believer in putting yourself forward and asking for opportunities and I know that I've even I used to sit there and go, why aren't I on podcasts? Why aren't I on podcasts? And it's mm. like, and then I started a podcast and then I get asked to be on podcasts, but I have to ask to be as well. We have to ask to okay. put ourselves. Oh, well, now I don't feel so bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. And uh, our, I, I almost released our chat about doing the podcast. podcast. Oh, yeah. that's very meta. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was uh, very, I, I walked away just, uh, shaking my head and laughing. It was a very oh. fun conversation. So oh. I knew you'd be a great guest, oh. and um, you're very you're very generous uh, with your information. And oh, um, you. you know, we'll, we'll talk about that because you, um, yeah, as you said, you were a journalist yeah. and then had a, had a change. So you can tell us about that. But I think, yeah, as I said, it can be quite a lonely profession. This um, freelancing and writing, and anybody who's willing to share their journey um, to support others. But not only are you a writer, you're a business owner. So I love that you're sharing about that. So tell us, yeah, I guess what happened in that time. The transition from being a well, well, it was sort of out of my hands. I was 40 years old. My, I was then married and my wife had had one child before I got, uh, well, before my job disappeared essentially. And then she was having another child straight after that. So she was on maternity leave for a prolonged period of time. I had two young children. We had, we bought this McMansion uh in the in sydney and had a huge mortgage and um it was one of the during many of the bloodbath periods of journalism um and i was 40 years old which uh, is like being about 400 years old in magazine journalism years so it was just clear i was not going to get another job in journalism and i had to do something else so um I'm sort of thinking well what can i do maybe i'd be a an english teacher or something so i sort of rang up the whoever it was, the education people, and said, oh, 
So I was saying, you know, can you can I get a job at local high school teaching English or something? And they'd say, yeah, well, first you've got to go and do a three-year university degree and so forth. So um yes, I found myself 40 years old with seemingly no marketable skills and um not many opportunities uh which didn't involve going back to university for several mm. years or something, uh, which wasn't an option, obviously. Uh but content marketing was just starting to take off. Um, a big agency called King Content, which at that time was a somewhat smaller agency, I somehow got involved with them and they started giving me a lot of work and then other clients gave me work. And uh, 10 years on, you know, I'm still here with clients at least sporadically giving me work. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually the longest job I've had. I mean, any of the other jobs... Uh, yeah, I think I worked at ACP, the Packers magazine company, for about seven years. That was the longest job I've had previously. But, yeah, it's been 10 years basically since I was in my early 40s to my early 50s being a business owner. And now I think of myself as being a business owner. And even if chat GBT means that I can't be a content creator anymore, I'd probably go and be an Uber driver or something. I don't think I could go back to no. slavery at this point in time. I'm really glad that you've made that um, sort of you've defined that there as well because sometimes I think it takes people quite a while to have that shift when you mm. have been employed to being a business owner and yeah. to not just creating yourself another job mm. um, to understanding that it's like, oh, actually I'm in charge here. I get to decide who I work with. I get to decide what I work on. And um, though I used to have these moments and I'd, often on my balcony where I'd go out just for a moment from work and I'd be like where's the free in freelancer <laughs> like I, I did this with freedom I mean I know that I do stuff for free sometimes I get that bit but not the, the freedom yeah. uh, bit and I'd sort of go and it's just like this little sort of like wake up call of hello I'm the one who's in charge and you know I'll look at my diary and go oh, I've got to go I would like to go for a walk today but how am I going to do that and it's like mm-hmm. oh I can yeah. why am I making my work like this when sure. I'm the boss yeah. So it's just, but it's such a shift, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you you told me during our hilarious pre-interview <laughs> chat that you'd never actually had really a proper job. Is that correct? I'm, I'm absolutely un- unemployable. No. Yes. yes, it is true. I um, the probably most job I had was when I was 18 and I lived overseas. I actually worked for, um, but even then, I think I got I got. Well, we were talking about before. I have a partner in travel partner in India got myself a job with an Indian uh, family friend in their company, um, which I sort of, yeah, manifested. My just said, he went, do you want to work in my company? I went, I guess so. Mm-hmm. And then um, I worked at Gumtree, which was probably, but, oh, okay. you know, always contractual. I've never, a full-time contract is the most full, full-time jobby and I never let go of the business. So the business has been mm-hmm. 13 years. So, yeah, but it's, um, yeah, I'm a different school. I guess in that different well, position, um, but let you give me let me give you the benefit as someone who was in the workforce. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess I had my first part time job when I was about fourteen till forty, and then freelance. So I think people think freelance is all beer and skittles that you just wake up whatever time mm. you want and sort of leisurely mm. read the paper and have some breakfast and maybe <laughs> sort of spend an hour or two tapping out, well, in my case, tapping out some content or, in your case, planning a trip or whatever the cases may be and then spend lots of time with your partner and friend and 
it's all just uh, fun. It, it's not. It's a job. Uh, it and you know you have many of the same issues you have with a a wage slavery job. Uh, what you do have as a freelancer though is autonomy. You don't, at least for any length of time, have to work with people you don't want to work with, which um, is not the case when you're a wage slave. And uh, certainly towards the end of my journalism career, I mean, I think, I think magazine and newspapers offices are known for being sort of pits of vipers full of people with very large and fragile egos and burning ambition. And uh, so I'm not even sure in the golden days, they were great places to work, but certainly towards the end when massive rounds of redundancies were rolling through the business constantly and, you know, everyone's getting asked to do more and more for less and less money. It was all fairly nightmarish. So, um, yeah, I, I suspect if you had had a job for any length of time, you'd uh, you'd appreciate the uh, <laughs> benefits of being a freelancer perhaps a little more than you do. Yeah. Oh, no, look, and I I mean, I, I guess I, I've lured many to this side, so I, I, I do see the benefit. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I just think I, I would have never have. It just was. It wasn't even. You know, it was always written on the cards that I'd be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, how did you feel? I think this is probably because you know. Yes, I don't understand that sure. shift. Other people have gone through that. Quite a lot of people where they've yes had employment and then not had employment. How did you feel about like your identity? Uh, what uh, did that do to you in that period? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm very happy now. I'm glad it happened. In retrospect, it's probably the best thing that happened to me. At the time, it felt like the worst thing that ever happened to me. I thought I'm 40. I got a family to support, a mortgage to pay. I got no skill. Well, I haven't. I seemingly have no marketable skills. I'm screwed. Not to put too fine a point on it. So there was mm. there was a very nervous, or unpleasant. I don't know, six to twelve months. I guess. I mean. Um, I, the gap between like not having a job and starting to get some content work was surprisingly small in retrospect. Like I, I started to get some money coming in pretty quickly. And then once again, in retrospect, this is probably um, surprising that I managed to build that up. I mean, not to a huge amount, but enough to sort of cover the mortgage and mm. survive pretty quickly. I mean, I guess I had no option. I just had to do whatever I had to do to keep the show on the road. But um so yeah, but it was it was an extremely stressful period, and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it probably, I mean, my marriage probably would have broken up anyway, but it certainly didn't help her and probably put a lot of strain on the relationship and stuff. So yeah, it was it wasn't a pleasant time at the time, but like many unpleasant experiences, it actually led to a, a, a over the longer term a much more pleasant situation. Yeah, absolutely. But it's hard to yeah, it is hard to see that in the time and I think what's also quite interesting is people think they need a lot more money than they need and it's mm. quite different I guess the way your your money comes in you know when you're trying to replace a wage and I've said this to a friend um, late last year who's probably looking to make the transition hopefully sooner rather than later but um, she sort of is worried about replacing your income and I'm like you're mm. worried about replacing salary but just remember that that that's the that figure isn't that figure you got to do after tax. What's that yeah. figure? Like it comes down dramatically. And it's like you also got to think about the life that you live as a yes, as an employee is different to the life that you live as a freelancer or a business owner. So you sometimes don't need as much as you think, or you can make it work better than you think. Mm. And you know, there's always going to be, I mean, sometimes it's a leap of faith, but other people it's a 
<laughs> you know, sink you're or swim. You're out of the nest, yes. Um, yeah. And there's also the fact that, that your friend's salary, basically, if she alienates her boss or, I mean, she probably only has to alienate one person of sufficient seniority and particularly in the current environment, suddenly that salary gone and you've gone from, you know, whatever she's earning to earning zero. I mean, one of the benefits of um, freelancing, you know, particularly if you've got your finger in a few different pies, as it sounds like you do, is that, um, yeah, you might lose one client and maybe you take a 20%, you're earning, for at least for a period of time, you're earning 20% less than you were last month or the last few months. But, you know, you don't go from 100 kilometres an hour to zero kilometres an hour if and no one person has control over your your income. Yeah, and as you said before, like worst come, I think you become very um, agile, very willing to do what mm. you need to to keep bringing the income in. And if that means Uber driving or like yeah. I did at the start of the pan- pandemic, um, going and working at Coles for a couple of weeks, that's what you do. Um, it's actually quite oh, a nice break. Were you the one who went to Coles? I think I saw some photos of that and everyone going, oh, good on you. I wasn't. Yeah. No. I didn't realise that was you. That was me. I mean, yeah, it was literally helpful. And I did get thanked um, for still working because it was pretty intense time. Um, But it was really fun. It it was very, it wasn't just fun. I'm sorry, fun. It was very headspace clearing because all I had, when you're a business owner, there's a lot to have in your head. You know, you're not only just the content creator, you're the, you know, the accountant, the, accountant, the marketer, the yeah, yeah. HR, yeah. <laughs> dealing with the boss. <laughs> what a bitch. Uh, you know, she's at it again. Anyway, um, you know, internal conversations are just fun. But, and it was listening to Rachel's list on the way there. And it was like talking about that, you know, your skills and going, and it was like communication is needed at this time. Communication is never going to not be needed, but this even more so with these just they were putting out these ridiculous random emails of we're, we're here for you and you're like, why are you here for me, cafe <laughs> that I went to once, I don't know, somewhere on the coast. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can help people with my skill. Mm-hmm. Communication mm-hmm. is needed and it was such a nice flip and it was because of having that space and allowing myself to go, whoa, I don't know what's going on. I'm mm-hmm. just going to step back for a sec. And then I could hear that message come through and I was like, okay, I've had my breather. I've kept the income coming in. Now I'm ready to go out there and and offer my services. Okay. And what were you doing at Coles? Literally Coles? stacking. Yeah, stacking. I did that all through uni. Yeah, I found it quite sort of meditative in some it ways. Is. I didn't mind it. No, I mean, yeah, I even said had they had availability. I mean, it's quite it became quite an in demand job. But yeah, um, I mean, even doing a night shift or something every. Yeah. My husband used to do it too, and it's like you just take the box off. Yeah. You fold the box, then you take another box and you, you clear the shelves and you restock and you make things yeah. and you just concentrate on one task at a time. Yeah. But then, yeah, your mind just sort of floats away. But, um, yeah, putting apples from the tray to apples <laughs> there, apples from the tray, apples there. Like it's very satisfying, yeah. It's yeah. you know, and the job is done. Like, the, well, yeah. there was always more to do, but sure. um, the apples now are done. I'll now move yeah. on to the oranges as opposed to sometimes the work when the scope creep and the job keeps going and going and going yeah. and you're like, yeah. I just want to finish. But <laughs> I, you know, look, I made a point and I think you will probably have some contention over this, but I <laughs> I say, I said to you, I suggest that men are inherently, it is generally known that men are better at putting themselves forward, better at promoting themselves. As a man, how do you mm-hmm. feel about that? And 
potentially men don't see, well, maybe they don't see the need for the personal brand or they uh, think that they've got it done. Uh, all right. I'll agree with you as a general generality. I think generally speaking, if you take all men and all women, yes, men are, you know, more self-confident, more out, I don't know if they're more outgoing, but, yeah, they're more they're more willing to promote themselves. Uh, but, and there's always a but, <laughs> there's, the there's plenty of outliers on each end. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't get the sense you have any great sense of reluctance to put yourself forward, although maybe you do behind that uh, self-confident facade. <laughs> but, uh, there's plenty of women like you and Kate Toon and many others I can mention who, who don't seem to have a great deal of trouble promoting themselves or marketing themselves. I think, uh, I'm not sure if this is true with women, it probably is, but the kind of men who become writers or journalists or content creators now tend to lean towards the more introverted, bookish, mm. types, certainly a category I'd put myself in. So um, bookish intellectual types generally are not sort of like the Tony Robbins types who are happy to... Uh, <laughs> do things i mean the only you mentioned i suggested myself to this you didn't tell the audience the whole story that i, I <laughs> uh in a somewhat more self-promotional mood after having a glass or two of red wine and then when you got back in contact with me i was sort of horrified at what i'd done and uh, tried to dissuade you from continuing with this oh, dutch courage <laughs> i look you do everybody's got their own techniques for but, building confidence uh, uh, yes, I've gone on precisely two podcasts in my entire life, Rachel's several years ago and now yours. And um, <laughs> I mean, I do write, uh, I mean, I've written articles for Kate Toon and Rachel, so I suppose that's self-promotion. I do have a website. I mean, I'm not, you know, I want work and I want people to employ me and I guess I'm happy to self-promote. But, um, yeah, in terms of putting myself out there, no, I, I, I'm vaguely horrified by it. Um, <laughs> and look, uh, not and all, I, I, not all, hashtag not all men, Emma. I, <laughs> I, I did put that there to be controversial, mm. practicing my working my journalism muscle. Uh, <laughs> learn a thing or two from Peter Overton. Yes, uh, but um, you know, it's no. I look at everybody. I think there's a misunderstanding around um, what personal brand is, and 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 that it needs to be showy and confident, and um, everybody needs to be the like. Hey, sort of person, and also the misconception that just because somebody is out there that they haven't, don't still have that reserve or that mm. I don't know if I'm good enough or like that 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 self talk like it's just that they've overcome it or they're working the muscle more. Mm. Um, but in turn, I think no matter yeah, man or woman, introvert extrovert, no matter what, it is hard to see ourselves. Um, I'm going to use the wrong term here. Objectively, subjectively. To see ourselves from the outside, it's hard to see sure. ourselves without um, having all that our own bias, and so, mm. um, and then to to then put ourselves forward as we are. So, you know, I think I, I love having you on here, and you did highlight, uh, you did your research because you're a good journalist. Mm. Uh, that there has been one man, you are the second man, so it's your second podcast. You're the second yep. man uh, <laughs> to come on this. Um, podcast and that's not and it's not through it hasn't been an active choice it was just through the nature of my network that I know a lot of women mm. but also that I do tend to find that women have this challenge more or admit to this 
challenge yeah. more than a yeah. man would and see the need. And I have worked with some wonderful men and will do work with wonderful men who mm. want to promote themselves better or to learn the skills and um, yeah. to seek more opportunities. So I don't think it's, um, yeah, I'm happy to, to myth bust that one with you. Very and I, I do, again, I very much am very excited and value the fact that you put yourself forward. So, I mean, we just, you, you touched on it a slightly there. How do you build on your personal brand? Like how are you? promoting your work or promoting yourself to to attract the clients that you have all right is it you who's got that steve martin quote be so good they can't ignore you on your website it is me oh, <laughs> i told you perfect. such a good job. he's done this research <laughs> he knows um, he knows more about what's on my website than me <laughs> but it is there I promise mm. well I, and i'm not necessarily recommending this because i'm not sure how true it is but I, i've always thought if you just sort of write and um get a good portfolio. I remember when I was younger, I used to think if you got in certain publications, then basically you'd achieved you'd achieved everything you needed to achieve in life and people would just be throwing work at you. Like um, there was a prestigious magazine called The Bulletin when I was at ACP, a kind of news opinion mag, which I eventually, even though I was working in the real lowbrow men's mag <laughs> side of things, I somehow managed to get a few pieces in there and I thought, oh, I'm a Bulletin writer now. I you know, everything will be, you know, now I've, now I've been had my work published in the bulletin, you know, people will just be bowing down to me on the streets and throwing work my way, which, like, nothing happened. Like, the article <laughs> went in the bulletin. I mean, I did get rung up by the ABC and did an interview a few times with regards to my bulletin articles, but, um, like, nothing happened. And then I went through the same thing with the Sydney Morning Herald. There was a period there where I was getting published relatively regularly in the Sydney Morning Herald and thought, oh, well, uh, you know, I'm a, quote, Sydney Morning Herald writer now, you know, I can write my own ticket, but, like, no one cares. <laughs> well, I mean, people care, I guess, but um, it doesn't really do that much. Like, if you go to my, I've concentrated on just writing and writing what I believe are impressive articles and thinking that people will go to my website, read those impressive articles and say, well, we must hire this guy and pay him whatever money he demands because he's so brilliant that we just must we must have his content creation skills mm -hmm. at our disposal but um after about well 10 years of being in business and I don't know maybe 30 odd years of doing this kind of stuff I'm, I'm not sure that how it works I think you need to be able to deliver the goods but just being good at what you do is not not going to get you that far so um, I'd certainly, anyone who's thinking of using Emma's services or Kate's or anyone who can help you with that marketing, brand building side of things, I suspect it's a very good investment. I, I've read quite a few books about business and stuff. I did have a, uh, when I first started my business, there was some government subsidised business mentorship program. So yeah. I went to that guy. We didn't really do a lot of stuff about personal brand or anything, but he really pushed me to get uh, business cards and a website and well, that is, that go is to network events. Um, yeah, that's all of it. So, yeah, um, maybe I have done a bit of it in retrospect, but um, I can't even remember what the question was. But <laughs> no, no, the answer is pay Emma a lot of money to <laughs> have her market you and build up your personal brand. And I will pay you later for that endorsement. <laughs> no, there's no paid endorsements here. Um, yeah, no, but that is, but that's it. I think sometimes um, this, it's become a bit of a buzz term 
and people don't necessarily understand what it is, but it really is as simple as being yourself and then putting yourself forward mm. and, and saying, here I am. And so what you were sort of saying there was like, yeah, I mean, we should add a caveat to, to Steve Martin's quote, be so good they can't ignore you, like be good. But my husband has the same challenge. He's great. He's so good at what he does, but he doesn't tell everybody how good he is, mm. unlike some of his colleagues. And then he doesn't get the opportunities. Yeah. Because he just thinks, no, I'll just be really good at my job and they'll just recognize me and they'll reward me for my goodness. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. You'd be <laughs> no. so good. And it's it's more like the fig, ga- fig jam yeah. and I will swear and it's fuck, I'm good. Just ask me. And yeah. that's, I, I'm all about the fig jam because. Who's going to tell everybody I'm good if I don't tell them I'm good? Because mm. I tell people I'm good and then back it up with the goods, mm. then people like yourself will go and say, actually, Amir is quite good. <laughs> so, well, isn't, that, isn't it better? Like I always wanted to skip straight to that point from being really good <laughs> to having other people go around saying how good I am. Like I was never comfortable with the intermediate yes. me going around telling everyone how good I am. But uh, yes. maybe you, that's You've where missed it, the middleman. <laughs> no, no, but you haven't though because like when you pitch, you know, it's such a basic premise of pitching is when you pitch an article mm. um, and whether you're a writer or not, if you, you you have to pitch when you put yourself forward for a client. You, you are pitching. You don't yeah. know it, but you are. You write and you say, hi, this is me, and you yeah. introduce yourself, hopefully in a succinct and informative way. Then you say, and here are examples of my work. And right. that, you know, and yes. then if to add even more weight is that third-party endorsement and you would go, and here's what other people said about how yes. good I am at my work. Mm. you go and here's how I'd like to help you or you probably mm. I'll start with maybe here's how I'd like to help you this yeah. is who I am this is an example proof of what I do and this is people saying yes that is true that is what they do that would be a strong pitch you know and I recently pitched for Virgin Art- Virgin Australia one of my dream publications and I got it and it's kind of what you're saying before but I thought oh, I need big publications I need big publications but it just needed to prove that I had written and it was published and they mm. weren't one was an online women's mag and one mm. was an industry publication that most people who aren't in this industry wouldn't know about. Yeah. But but they were proof. Um yeah. the pitch was good. I hadn't filled in my bio on the platform, so that was that was not good. Yeah. And I somehow still got it. So I don't know if she Googled me or whatever, yeah. but apparently it was evident that I could I could string two sentences together and then put them online. Yeah. You know, so, but it's that putting, and you do that in, you probably don't even realise you're doing it sometimes, is that mm. when you share that article that you've written or when you post in in um, Rachel's List or one of those communities going, hi, as a writer, I would give you this guidance or I've had that experience of when I did this and if it helps you, here's an article I wrote about it. Sure. That's proof and that's you putting yourself forward and that's you promoting yourself and that's showing mm. who you are, your personal okay. brand. Well, maybe I am a shameless self-promoter. <laughs> now the scales have dropped from my eyes. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, a shadow in the shadow. Yes, bring that into the light. I will cheerlead you all the way. But um, no, I look and I, as I say, I think a lot of what you've said is case in point. And um, you know, what what for me, our conversation highlighted is that it it doesn't matter like how you view someone you think someone's got it all together or you think someone's got 10 years in business and then it's just easy for them Mm. um or or, you know or emma's confidence it's just easy for her but it's like Mm. we never know what people's story is we don't know what people are going through Mm. but what we do know is if you don't tell us who you are and if you don't approach people and you don't build that connection 
how will we know and how will you then get the opportunities and move forward? Absolutely. Yes. Well, I think we can probably summarise it by saying it's good to both be good at what you do and to let people know that you're good at what you do. If you're just doing one of those two (laughs) things, the results will be suboptimal. Suboptimal. Yeah, so be so good they can't ignore you and tell people that you're so good so they hire you. Yes. I'm good. That's going to, the title will be Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. I love it. Okay. Now tell me, how do we get in contact with you and how do people work with you? Um, okay. Well, I mean, I, I think some of the catch of this self-promotion is it's all just aimed at people like us who aren't actually necessarily employing people to do what we're doing. They're colleagues who do the same thing we're doing. So, um, but anyway, leaving that to one side. Uh well, my website is Content Sherpa. So, in the unlike, well, in the event that anyone who needs content created is listening to this, they probably first port of call is Content Sherpa. In the more likely event that they're a fellow person toiling in the grave, uh, the vineyards of content creation, and they just want to be my LinkedIn friend, um, they can just Google Nigel Bowen LinkedIn and uh, go on that. That's probably the platform I'm most active on. Uh, I'm ashamed to admit I'm not even on Instagram. I do have a Twitter, which is at Nige Bowen, but I mainly just share my articles there. I've never been that into it. Um, uh, what I else? You're going to say I rant Facebook. there. That's what most people do. Go and <laughs> yeah. rant on Twitter. So come and uh, rant with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have a Facebook, but yeah, I don't really use that much at all. So um, yeah, for work purposes, look at my website for being mates with a fellow content creation, uh, please, you know, um, LinkedIn friend me. And if you're really keen, maybe you can Twitter friend me as well. And there was something you told me about um, that I, I'm interested Oh, the Substack. In. Yes, because yes. you said the Substacking is the new podcasting and I'm like, yes. mm, all right, <laughs> all right. Uh, tell me, tell me. Uh, well, do you know much about Substack? No, I don't. No. So. Um, well, you know how blogging was a huge thing maybe 10, 15 years ago and you'd hear all these stories about like an ex-journo or something who started a car blog and now he was driving around in Ferrari and making $500,000 a month or something. Yes, so there was a big it became blog. Instagram. And yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it did become Instagram after that. But um, if you're a middle-aged man, <laughs> myself, you're a... Your options for being an Instagram influencer, I think, are fairly limited. Um, <laughs> um, oh, gosh, I keep losing my train of thought. What we were on about. Um, substacking. Substacking, that's right. Uh, anyway, Substack, which is essentially just the platform which you can blog on. There's a few different ones. LinkedIn has a newsletter one and, you know, there's several options. But for some reason, about a couple of years ago, Substack became the the hot new thing. And a lot of, I think not so much in Australia, but in America, a lot of quite big name journalists left mainstream publications like the New York Times and Rolling Stone and started their own Substacks. Uh, I'm certainly not in the same category as them by any means, but um, you can charge for your sub stack, which I don't do, but I mean, there are some, once again, it's a thing where, you know, the top 1% make all the money and 99% of people make no money. But anyway, the top people are making a lot of money being sub stackers. Some people are making a bit of money. Uh, people like me who do it for free 
are certainly not directly making any money. But anyway, I started a Substack almost exactly a year ago. And once a week, I release a uh, sort of 1500 word to 2000 word think piece. Uh, they're generally about the gig economy and, you know, people in our kind of situation and uh, the issues of um, confronting them. So I've been doing that for a year. So if I am shamelessly self-promotional about anything and anyone does want to do me a favour, um, if they check out my Substack precariat musings um, and, you know, if they get really carried away, even subscribe to it, which is for free, which basically just involves getting one of my rants once <laughs> your in email inbox. That would be uh that's my passion project at the moment. I love it. I'm quite I'm very interested. I've just brought up gig, gig economy, winter is coming, which sounds like yes, familiar. <laughs> I'm not the most uh, constitutionally optimistic of people, so that <laughs> certain dark darkness I should probably want potential readers toward to a lot of but hopefully a bit of dark humor as well so it's not all slit your wrists stuff that's a, that's a very um but that's quite a commitment 1500 to 2000 words to keep that muscle flexed that's amazing yeah I, I just finished writing my 50th one which will be going up I've, I've actually I think went up on Friday so yeah I've been somewhat to my surprise I've kept it up for a year now and I'm planning to do it this year and uh, I'm not sure it'll ever amount to anything that I, I have to write. A, well, this goes back to your thing about being a freelancer and not getting to do what you want to do. I mean, a lot of the time I'm writing about fairly dry topics, which I don't find that interesting, but I, I find it's good to spend half a day a week working on my own thing. And I, I think mm. that kind of energizes me and makes it easier to do all the other things I have to do. Yeah, and it, but it, it does, it falls by the wayside. And like I mm. said, we're fundamentally we're writers at heart and enjoy the the word. So mm. to get to, to make the time for you, choose to make the time, but also that's something that can benefit you by having such a, well, I mean, it's not succinct, they're 1,500 words each, but a, mm. but a place, a portfolio of, of yeah. these musings is fantastic. So, mm. oh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm new to it, but um, that's fantastic. And um. Yeah, I don't know. I think I spend 1,500 words. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I'd rather just <laughs> chat with somebody for an hour on the phone like I do. Uh, but a lot, sometimes it's more work that goes into these things. So uh, mm. then, then you realise, but credit to you. Mm. And thank you for educating me on a thing. Mm. And uh, I always love that. So thank you for your time. My thank you for pleasure. putting yourself forward. You um, always make me laugh and you always make me think. And I, I do very much appreciate your um, comments and support online as well. And it's been wonderful to build that connection now offline as well. Oh, well, thank you, Emma. I hope we'll get to meet in the flesh again sometime during 2020. We will. And feel free to accost me with uh, putting things <laughs> forward. And let's see what we create next out of the next meeting. <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, I'll work on pushing my personal brand forward from this day onwards, Emma. Thanks, Nigel. Thanks, Emma. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Live and Love Your Brand. I'm so grateful that you've shared your time by listening today. That means so much to me. And if you're loving what you're learning, I would be so appreciative if you'd leave a review, rate this podcast and subscribe. It really shows me that you care, but it also helps other listeners to find us too. Again, please be sure to connect with me. I love hearing from you and getting to know your story. You can connect with me on Instagram at lovelycoms, Facebook, 
lovely communications and please do join the gorgeous community Live and Love Your Brand, our Facebook group. Or if you're ready to take action now and want to improve how you show up in the world with your brand, then head on over to lovelycommunications.com. Again, lovely is L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, communications.com to learn how you can work with me. My clients have gone on to experience opportunities that they could never have dreamed of. From starting businesses to taking leadership in their own life, they have found the confidence to stand in who they are and to go wholeheartedly after what they truly want in life. And I want that for you too. If you're ready to invest in yourself and reconnect with who you are, then let's chat. Thank you again for listening. Now go into the world and share the beauty that is the uniqueness of you. Catch you next week, lovely.